0: I saw you were in a uh, 140 miles per hour chase. Oh yeah. Oh, what was yeah. that like? Oh
1: yeah, it was crazy. And, <laughs> and I loved it. Every bit, every bit of it. And it was funny because I wasn't <laughs> trying to become a police officer on your own. You have to go through field training, which you ride with a senior officer and they kinda walk you through and make sure that you're ready and prepared to be a police officer. And, wow. uh, we had a high speed pursuit and it was the it was the most fun I've ever had. That's insane. Yeah.
0: Welcome back to the show, guys. Digital Social Hour. Got an amazing guest for you guys today. Brandon Tatum. How's it going? going well, man. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. I can't wait to dive into your story, man. You got a crazy story. Yeah,
1: man. I, you know, God has is, is, is really blessed me with a testimony, man. So I, I can't complain and I'm very grateful for it. Yeah. So let's walk through it. I know you were a police officer for a while, right? Yeah, I was a police officer in Tucson. From 2011, I left in 2017, it was an amazing career. Mm. You know, it was one of the greatest things I've ever done in my life. Really? You know, feeling like a superhero, being a police officer, being able to save people's lives, being an example for my son who's here at the studio. Nice. It, it, was, a, it was a plethora of great experiences, you know, a little bit of drama in, in, in between, but for the most part, it was great.
0: Yeah, I saw you were in a uh, 140 miles per hour chase. Oh yeah! Oh what was yeah! That like?
1: Oh yeah! It was crazy, and, and I <laughs> loved it every bit, every bit of it. And It was funny because I was in training at the time, yeah. riding with my FTO. And for some people that know about law enforcement, you go through training, you go to basic training before you actually actually become a police officer on your own. Mm. You have to go through field training, which you ride with a senior officer, and they kind of walk you through and make sure that you're ready and prepared to be a police officer. Wow! And so in that phase three, because there's four phases to it, but phase three, almost to the end. Uh, We had a high-speed pursuit, and it was the the most fun I've ever had. That's insane. Yeah.
0: So when your lights go off, can you just go whatever speed you want?
1: Well, within reason, right? Right. In the law, it says with due regard. So if you don't have lights and sirens on, you could probably go over the speed limit, just as long as you're going to a specific location. Sometimes when we travel, um, we're trying to get to a certain place. It may be an emergency, and emergency lights cause a distraction for everybody else. So sometimes it's not conducive to have the emergency lights on, but we still want to go above the speed limit to get there quickly. So for the most part, you do it with due regard. It makes you not reckless and being a nut job. Yeah. And you know, for the most part, we we do drive probably over the speed limit.
0: So what happened on that chase? Like, why was the guy going so fast?
1: So this guy was completely a nut. He stole somebody's (laughs) car at knife point. Normally, if you just take somebody's car, you steal it. If you're not um, doing it with violence, we normally don't do a high-speed chase mm. especially in tucson really uh so this guy did it at night point so he's a violent he's he's done it at a violent uh he's done something violent so he's traveling the funny thing is man I, i'm getting ready to get off duty mm-hmm. i'm already off we're in a debriefing we debrief 30 minutes before we get off so we kind of like calm down we go over things that we need to review uh and then we get out of there yeah. the chase is going on while we're in debriefing and we can hear it over the radio we still have our radios on And they're describing how the guy is traveling westbound on a a street called Prince. And Flowing Wells is south. So he's going down Prince westbound, and it's like, wait a minute, he's coming towards the substation. (laughs) He goes south on Flowing Wells, and we're like, this dude is finna come right in front of the <laughs> police station on high speed chase. Yeah. And so the guys in my squad, they just left. They said, man, we getting out there. My FTO is like, no, we're going home, man. We yeah. don't need to get involved in anything. They got enough units behind them. The air support unit is there. Everybody's there. It's over.
0: Oh, he had a helicopter. On yeah, him? the
1: helicopter was there. It was it was two units or three units behind him allegedly. Right. On our, and our policy is only supposed to be two units in a pursuit unless it's authorized. Okay. But, you know, we, <laughs> they, they, they want everybody want to have fun. Yeah, yeah. so. Lo and behold, this guy comes flying past the substation. My FTO is like, get in the car, let's go. So as soon as we pull out the gate, uh, our sergeant authorized pursuit and also authorized pit maneuver. Mm. And that's when you you know drive up next to the car and you hit it from the side and it spins out and you're able to oh, stop wow. the person. So that's a pit maneuver. So uh, he authorized all of those things when we left the gate. So on and popping. The only reason, and we were able to pit maneuver the guy, because the only reason we were able to get to that point Is because when we got into the chase, we're like 10th in line. Okay. And at the time, there's a frontage road, and then there's a freeway. The frontage road has lights at it uh, probably every mile. Mm. And so the suspect goes to the frontage road. In our policy, we have to stop at every red light. Mm. We have to come to a complete stop. Even on a chase? Even on a chase. So this guy's blowing all the red lights. He's just going right through. We get on the freeway. And so that's how we ended up hitting 140 because we tried to catch up with him. We're not obstructed by any lights. So at 140, we were able to catch up with him, get in front of him. We tried to do the spikes. He was too quick. Mm. And then we ended up catching him on on another street where he was going
0: head on. Shout out to today's sponsor, HelloFresh. HelloFresh makes whipping up home-cooked meals super easy. They got 15-minute meals. That's less time than it takes to get delivery. Everything's pre-portioned, delivered straight to your door every week. For me, it's a no-brainer personally. We all know it also takes the hassle out of mealtime and it can also save you money. HelloFresh is 25% less expensive than takeout on average. I used to order takeout all the time. HelloFresh has been awesome for saving money in that way. Uh, You get a home cooked meal on the table. More money back in your pocket makes cooking easy. Personally, I used to suck at cooking and HelloFresh. I can actually pull off some pretty decent meals because they got step-by-step pictured instructions. So it makes my life easy. It'll probably make yours easy as well if you want america's number one meal kit go to hellofresh.com dsh free for free breakfast for life that's code dsh free for free breakfast for life one free breakfast item per box while your subscription is active guys that's free breakfast for life hellofresh.com dsh free link will be in the description don't forget to use code dsh free onto a car he swerved the car we ate
1: we were able to pit and maneuver him, and spin him around and uh that so you hit him fan. going that fast? No, we, we had to slow down. So so when he um, was going on, head on to the car, he began to swerve. So he kind of lost control of the car. He slowed yeah. down to about 40, 50 miles per hour. And that's when we do the pit. It's only safe to do it around 40 miles per Got
0: hour. Got it. What car was he in?
1: Uh, he was in a
0: little pickup truck.
1: Like, like it was going two, not fast? A little two-door pickup truck. He was lying. He was going crazy.
0: That's insane.
1: Yeah, it was it was, it was good when we caught him though. Did he try
0: to like fight you guys when you caught him? No, nah, no,
1: nah, he was he, he was done for because okay. as soon as as soon as he the car spent the round, he tried to actually go for it. But we had another car pin him. And then that's when I got out of the car. A couple other officers got out of the car. We opened up the passenger. I mean, opened up the driver door, pulled yeah. him out and it uh, was it for him. Wow.
0: Was that like the craziest incident you had as a police officer? No, or there, no. Oh, that oh, really? I don't
1: even think that was close to the craziest <laughs> one. That was the craziest pursuit because we were driving so fast. Yeah. We had plenty of pursuits like that. I had plenty of crazy stuff. It, it just depends on what spectrum, right? You, yeah. you have the the, the the gory stuff. You have the crazy, I couldn't. I can't believe this actually happened. <laughs> then you have the the, the things where you kind of caught up in a mystery mm. where you're able to save somebody's life in, in this web of mystery. So wow. it, it's like different levels to it. So yeah. there's crazy fun then there's crazy scary. Then there's life-threatening, different things like that that I would consider to be
0: all interesting. Wow, so you were able to save some lives?
1: Oh, all the time. I mean, it, it, I remember... Vividly, and I wrote this in my book um, about a young lady. We got the call that she was trying to commit suicide. She was on a bridge mm. that's like 40 feet to the railroad track right in front of the police station. So it was like maybe like a half a mile from the police station. Yeah. And normally when people are committed to wanting to commit suicide, they don't call. Mm. They don't notify anybody. They normally just, they're committed. They want to do it. They don't want anybody to stop them. Right. Um, and sometimes when people are crying out for help and they really want some intervention, they will call 911. They'll try to seek help. This young lady did not call. Mm-hmm. It was people were driving by and they saw her dangling off the side of the bridge. So she had she was sitting her Her butt was on the cliff part and her legs were dangling over the edge. She was literally scooting towards the edge. Mm-hmm. Just so happened, I leave the police station. I'm the only officer in the area. So I pulled up, you know, probably about, you know, I don't know, 50, 60 feet from her. So mm-hmm. she couldn't really hear me pull up got in the car and I just I had to make a decision, man. I said either I'm going to go up to her, try to sneak up. I'm going to rope her over, you know, t- towards my side mm. and I'm going to lean my whole body weight on this side right. because if she falls, she falls to her death. I don't want to fall with her, to be mm. honest. Yeah, yeah. I, I really want to try to save her. So I ran up, I grabbed her like this, hugged her, took her to the to the uh, crisis intervention center. And that was that was one of the profound moments. She was like a 16 year old girl. And so to to be there for her, to risk it, to win that battle was was something I always remember.
0: That's incredible. What are some common misconceptions you you see on social media about police officers? Because they seem to get some some hate on social media.
1: Uh, it's a few, man. I mean, one of the things is that they're racist. Yeah. A bunch of racist white cops just trying to, you know, antagonize black people, which is you know, are there some cops that are racist? Yeah. I mean, you know, right. you got nut jobs in every profession, mm-hmm. but by and large, it, it really doesn't exist in a profound way on a police department. Another one is that it's a bunch of misfits, people that couldn't make it in life mm-hmm. other places. And so the lowest common denominator is there will be a, a police officer. You don't need any education or anything like that. And I think that's a huge misconception mm-hmm. um, on my police department. Every. Black officer on the police department all had advanced degrees. Mm. Um, everybody had a degree all the way up to master's degree. Wow! Um, and so a lot of other police officers on the police department were very established in other career fields. Like we had guys who were who were working in the bank industry, making six figures a year, and they decided they want to do something with their life as far as being a hero or mm. uh, serving the community. And so they quit those jobs and became police officers. So when you look at a police department, it's people from all facets of life. People with with, with law degrees. I mean, you go down the list. You have police officers that are in every faction of life um and, and you do have the ones that are just grunts you mm-hmm. know they want to be there and i'm not saying it's a bad thing but they want to be there to do the job right they want to be there to serve and protect and if it get violent you know they're ready for it yeah and, and and a lot of those guys come from the military but you know there's a there's a wide variety of different people that that serve as police officers yeah
0: i think people want to generalize with the racism stuff, but. That's in any profession. There's gonna be a few bad knots, right?
1: Yeah, and, and and it doesn't matter what race you are, right? You know, there's black officers that are racist against white people, right? And, you know, and vice versa, and Hispanic and white and it's just a human condition where people and I and I will say this, I think a lot of it is less racism and more prejudice mm. because of the lack there of exposure. So if you've never been around black people before, you may misunderstand or have a misconception of how black people act and, you know, the things that they like or don't like or you know, because for instance, like when I was growing up, everybody I'm around was loud. Mm. And that's a thing that we used to be, like as black people, m- not everybody, but a-, a lot of black people are loud. Right. You know, we're charismatic, we talk loud, we talk with our hands. And if you have never been around black people and you come up on a call and people are being animated with their hands, mm-hmm. some people may think, oh, oh my God, they're getting ready to fight, it's getting violent. <laughs> and they may see it that way, yeah. but that, that may not be. The way that it is. So some things like that do occur. But over time, officers who are patrolling in certain communities, they are used to dealing with the people in the community. Right. And this is one thing that I wish that people would understand. I, I would argue the least racist police officers are the police officers that work in the inner cities. Mm. Because they get an opportunity to see black people from every aspect. Good, the lawyers, the, the hardworking black folks, and then the criminal element. Mm-hmm. And the people in need. And when someone gets they're the ones taking they're the ones taking the police report. They're the ones, you know, picking up, you know, dead bodies on the side of the road from people getting shot to death in gang violence. So right. they have this this uh overwhelming exposure to inner city uh living inner city community people mm. that they become acclimated more so than a person who's never worked in the inner city. They may not, you know, understand the culture as
0: much. Yeah. So when you were growing up before you were an officer how did you view police officers? Because a lot of people fear them. Were you fearful of them at first? Yeah, I mean, I
1: feared my dad more than police officers, but I did fear police officers and I, I had nothing but negative thoughts about police officers. Mm. I thought they were all racist. Right. Um, And I remember getting pulled over a couple of times in my youth and and every time I got pulled over, I thought they pulled me over because I was black. Wow. And so culturally, that was what was taught and, and you embody that. Mm. And if you wear the lenses and that's all you see and most police officers are not black, Mm-hmm. and you're going to have that perception that oh man they just pulling on cuz I'm black cuz I'm a young man and they they uh they mad cuz I'm doing you know they don't make money so they mad cuz I'm they think I'm making money right and I come to find out it's not even true whatsoever police officers make some really good money mm. you know depending on what police department you work for depending on what assignment you're in depending on how much overtime you work i mean you could be making six figures as a police officer even as a patrol cop depending wow. on the depending on the city so they make decent money good pension all of that stuff
0: so yeah, yeah. all of that was was sort of misconceptions that i had when i was younger i feel that and why did you decide to leave after six years and what was that transition like yeah so um i never thought i
1: would leave the police department like i said i was inspired to become a police officer by an officer named sean payne Mm -hmm. he was a white guy i really i really just needed a job my son who's sitting over here he was Mm -hmm. he was uh he wasn't born yet and and i needed to make a decision as a father that I need to take care of my son. Mm-hmm. I was, I was, I was trying out for the NFL. I was in the NFL draft, and things weren't really going well for me mm-hmm. trying out for football. And I said, "Look, I got to get a job. I have to get a career. I need to be a a dependable father for my child." Mm-hmm. And the police department was just one thing that I applied for. I didn't even think I was going to be a cop. Right. Like you know, growing up, I didn't have great experiences with cops. I got arrested when I was eight years old for smoking a vacant house. So my first real engagement with police officers was me getting arrested. Wow. And so um, <laughs> all of that came into play. You know, long story short, I got saved and I, and I kind of opened my mind to police officers and kind of rethinking the way I've thought about the world in, yeah. in a racial sense um, and also the anti-police sense. So I did the ride along with Sean Payne. I was blown away, man. He inspired me to be a cop. I said, man, I want to be a hero like Sean. And I had no intentions to ever leave. You know, I wanted to be a chief. And I went back to get my master's degree in business leadership, which you have to have a master's degree to be a captain and above. Mm. And so I was like, I, "This is what I want to do for a living. I enjoy. I enjoy my job. This is who I am." And I start to get into politics, mm. right? So yeah. it, it started from my first paycheck. I looked at that paycheck and I saw them taxes come out of there, and I said, "Who do I need to vote for <laughs> to make sure I ain't paying this much in taxes?" Yeah, yeah. And and so I, I begin to look at you know um, the other side because growing up I was a Democrat. Mm. Uh, if you're black, you're a Democrat. Right. The Republicans are racist white people. That's what I was taught growing yeah, up. Yeah. And so looking at that, I, I decided to kind of open my mind to looking at the political climate, looking at who is the most valuable and who I identify most with, what I want to see change in the country. So that's kind of how it started.
0: Right, so what would you label yourself politically right now?
1: I'm a, I'm a registered Republican. Okay. I'm more conservative. Um, but I'm a free thinker, too. You know, I, I it is not a like I'm, I'm a slave to the Republican Party, and I think everything the Republicans do is right. Right. You know, I just I lean more towards Republicans because Republicans lean more towards favoring God, mm. favoring more free speech. You know, I love my guns. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the Constitution at least has the government in a position that they have to acknowledge that we have these inalienable rights. Right. Uh, you know, having a firearm is something that God gave us to yep. have and not the government. So I, I believe in that, man. That's what I love. I, I, you know, that I, I, I feel like there's a need to have these, these rights, and and they shouldn't be infringed upon because somebody else's bad, poor decisions. Mm. So the Republican Party typically leans that way: less taxes, mm. more, more uh, business-oriented. So all of those things kind of attracted me to the Republican side.
0: Yeah, yeah. I saw you get some hate for supporting Trump in 16. Oh yeah. As a black man, so what was that like? Were people just coming at you nonstop?
1: Yeah, it was sad, man. Some people from my church and and people that I love, people I went to school with, man, they right. at, they went crazy on me mm. because I grew up in a, in a diverse background. You know, my dad he 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 was uh, he did well in life. You know, as a firefighter, my dad was a firefighter since he was like 18. Mm-hmm. And so we were able to move up into better communities. We went to school, however, at Dunbar High School in Fort Worth, Texas, which is right in the hood in stop six. Mm. And so I had the experience of being a part of different communities. Mm-hmm. And, and so I had experience being a part of the hood as well. And, you know, just, you know, with that experience, and I I just, you know, thinking about that, I just forgot the question, what was it? You got a lot of hate for yeah, sports right, Trump. Yeah, that's right. So <laughs> I, I went to this particular school everybody was cool i had so much love from the hood so much love from people that went to school with me and then when i started to you know just open my mind went to a trump rally and i yeah. said i don't like what this dude is saying you know I, huh. I i'm not listening to everything the media say and i'm not listening to what everybody say i'm a grown man i'm gonna go see what he has to say and right, see if right. he erases or not but man it was like everybody a lot of people turned on me not everybody but a lot of people mm-hmm. and people from my school they like oh you a sellout you're uncle tom you a coon Um, You working for the white man. And I'm like, bruh, like y'all knew me from the beginning. Yeah, I was your boy. I was your homie. Like how all of a sudden I changed because I like a certain political candidate. I mean, I don't even know the dude. I just really like his policies. Yeah, yeah. You know, at the time I liked his policies. And and even at the church, man, I mean, the closer relationships was from the church because I had got saved in in, uh, 2008. So I was a part of my church from 2008 all the way through to 2016. Wow. And people in the church were just turning on me.
0: Did they kick you out?
1: No, they didn't kick me out, but they had negative things to say about me online. Wow. One of the young ladies at our church, I'm not going to say her name, but it's funny. I was on my radio show and I read I read her messages. Yeah. She still got the I'm surprised she haven't deleted them <laughs> or blocked me. She still got the messages. She said, you ain't nothing but an N word just like me. Don't never forget them white people see you like that. And, and, and this is a young lady at the church that I didn't even think cuss. Wow. She was holier than thou, speaking in tongues, running around the church. And I did not know she had that racial sentiment in her heart. Wow. And so it was it was troubling. But I was able to get more friends and, and be around people that really, you know, um, identified the way I did in, in politics. And and it has just grown from there. And those yeah. people that disagree with me, they I just don't really talk to them anymore.
0: So none of them ended up apologizing later on. No, a lot, of, a lot of them did, right? <laughs> After so, they saw Biden. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: you know, yeah, <laughs> a few of them now since they seen Biden, but but uh, a lot of them have, right? Okay. Some of them have come around. I, I would say probably ten percent, which uh, is a, which is a significant percentage. Yeah, when you think about it. But about ten percent of people come back around and be like, "Oh, be you know, I used to, I used to have, feel some type of way." when I listened to you before, but now I see what you're saying, man, these politics are crazy. Or I'll catch them just sending me stuff, right? right. They won't even say nothing. They'll just <laughs> send me a clip of stuff that I've already been saying is true yeah, and they're wondering. Yeah. Even my best friend, you know, uh, he, we weren't really politically opposed, uh-huh. but he was leaning more towards BLM type stuff. And I used to look at some of the stuff he posts and I'm just like, oh, I love him. We, You know, we dogs, you know, it's my best friend. Yeah. But I didn't, you know, I was like, we don't see a liking on politics then happened mm-hmm. and now it's he all in mm-hmm. you know so a lot of people begin to change over time yeah um because i just keep it real you right. know i'm just me and, and and people can see that they see like he ain't changed he's saying this now but he haven't changed who he is maybe it's something
0: to what he's saying how scary was that blm blm movement for you you weren't a police officer at no, the time, no, where you, but your friends were still officers yeah so how what was that like it was
1: absolutely mind-blowing it was out of control crazy Um, I I experienced a little bit of it because BLM technically started with Trayvon Martin uh, when he got kind of where they started out at. So um, Barack Obama, when he was president, I was a police officer. Then Mm -hmm. when some of the police interaction happened, like uh, with the Cambridge police officers and others that Barack Obama commented on, it negatively affected us, you know, in law enforcement on the streets. I mean, people were attacking us. People were it's like the relationship with the black community just disintegrated immediately. Right. I mean, every call you go to, oh man, y'all, y'all hit mm. us for no reason, and and things like that was happening. So I, I got a taste of it. Mm. But me being a black officer, I experienced it way different than the white officers, right? right. I mean, we, I hate to say this, but I'm gonna keep it real. We used yeah. to joke sometimes because we'll go to a call and it was a violent person, and they were black, and they're like, "Oh, Tatum, you know, you, you go first. because <laughs> if something happened and yeah. they're you know being violent, they ain't going to fire you. They're going to fire us. Right. You know, so sometimes we would joke about stuff like that. But the white officers really had it bad because yeah. any confrontation with a white officer and a black person, that turned out negatively or even if it wasn't negatively, it turned out negatively. It looked bad. Mm. Then they, I mean, it's, it's over for them. Yeah. They're losing their job. They're, they're painting as a racist. And so I, I experienced a little bit of it. But then when I got out, man, people used to, you know, hit me up all the time. And tell me like that they want to quit. They don't love the profession anymore. Wow! It, it's just gone out of control. They've got their hands tied behind their back. These people are burning uh, buildings and looting. And, mm. and they just have to stand back like this and absolutely do nothing. And it was it was a re- really trying time for law enforcement. And I think it's just progressively have gotten worse since the yeah. inception of it in 2020. Or, you know, the,
0: the explosion of it in 2020. Yeah, it was scary, man. I remember living in L.A. at the time. And it was just like places were getting robbed and police officers wouldn't even show up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it was crazy,
1: and there's two things. There was there's a few reasons why, right? One is that why would you show up to these places? You get into a confrontation with the wrong person, you lose everything, right? And then also, a lot of officers were quitting because yeah. they they felt like they weren't supported. So now you have a, a, a you know a minimum staff, and therefore you're not going to see them showing up because mm-hmm. now it's either essential calls or you know calls where somebody's actually getting. Mm-hmm versus just property damage. Mm. So they had to pick and choose what cause they went to. So it, it, it created a really negative environment. Yeah. You know, why would you have to live, you know, like why would we it was crazy to me to hear people disenfranchise law enforcement or defund the police, you know, talk and all that. Because why as a citizen and you pay taxes and you 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 can't even be protected. Yeah. You gotta you gotta let people just burn down your community um because some people have political agendas. It, you know, yeah. it was crazy to me
0: Yeah the defund the police stuff never made sense to me. Why no. would you want that?
1: <laughs> well, I'll tell you why. It had nothing to do with whether it made sense or not. It had everything to do with political leverage. Right. If you can demonize police and meet people in, in an emotional state, they may feel a connection to you and your party, and then, therefore, they may vote for you. Mm-hmm. It had nothing to do with logistics right. because the people who wanted to ban police all had private security. Mm-hmm. They Listen, they're not banning Capitol Police. They're they, they, they going to make sure that law enforcement is, is present and, and ready and available for them but they, they're not gonna do it for the regular citizen. So it was literally a political ploy in order to get people on their side, playing on the deaths and the, and the dead bodies of black people. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much how they did it. And and I thought it was shameful. And it, it could have potentially have ruined law enforcement in America for a very long time.
0: That's crazy. So you think there's a lot of corruption on the government level, basically? I don't believe nobody in the government. <laughs> I
1: don't believe anybody, <laughs> not at face value. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm
0: like, The government said this,
1: well, let me check that. Let me double check, (laughs) triple check that. They're corrupt. I mean, they've shown that they've been corrupt. I mean, look at the stuff that's happening right now. You know, you have Hunter Biden, literally a crackhead, snoring off of in a foreign country, literally with messages. His business partner has come out and said, this dude is, is using his father's position as the vice president to get money from foreign countries. I was working with him doing the dirty deals. And also, there's text messages and other uh, documents that allude to the fact that every deal he did or certain deals he did, he gave 10% to the big man, the big man meaning, meaning uh, Joe Biden. Wow. And the FBI kind of covered it up. So I, I'm, I'm not shocked of the corruption because it happens. Human, yeah. human intent may be good, but then it gets spoiled by the evilness money. Of, of money, greed, and
0: power, yeah. and then
1: they begin to manipulate their way to the top.
0: What about with Trump? Was there corruption there, you think?
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't know. Like when I look at it, and I'm a I'm a avid Trump supporter, but I call it how I see it. You yeah. know, I, I some things he do that I love, and some things he do that make me want to pull my hair out, <laughs> make me want to pull his hair out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but I don't know because it's it's ambiguous simply because they have not shown consistency. Mm. When so when Donald Trump got elected in 2016. Everybody said it was it was an Ill- illegitimate election, right? Hmm. Hillary Clinton came out and said it was an illegitimate election. Yeah, yeah. And he was colluding with the Russians to get him elected. That, yeah. They did an investigation for three years. Come to find out it was a, a complete phony investigation, a fraudulent, uh, they call it a dossier, which is an affidavit that was presented to the government. Um, and they did an investigation based on a on a frivolous claim. Right. And so that was step one that is like, how are they gonna do that to a president? They were wrong, they never admitted to it. Mm. I'll give you another example. Hillary Clinton, it's the, the tier justice system. Hillary Clinton comes out, she admits that she had a server in her house. And she's a secretary of state. She has a server in her house that the government didn't know about. She's sending and receiving classified informations on this server. Mm. And then when she's subpoenaed to go before Congress, she destroys all of it. Mm. She deletes 30,000 emails, she take, she take hammers, literally and banged her blackberries and and, and other devices to conceal the evidence. Wow. And we did nothing about that. Moving forward, you see some of the nefarious things that happened, and now you see that President Trump has gotten indicted on three different indictments. Yeah, I saw that. Why didn't they do it last year? Why didn't they do it the year before? He hasn't been the president in almost four years. Right. So it seems to be a a political uh, attack on him. Mm. You look at January 6th. How? First of all, he was impeached over it but was acquitted in the Senate. So the impeachment came from the House of Representatives. He was he was acquitted in the Senate mm-hmm. because they had made the same argument in an impeachment claim as the, as the indictment that he's just been indicted on, mm-hmm. that he leveraged relationships to try to thwart the election. There's a lot of flaws in that. As a former police officer and, and somebody that understands the law, there's a lot of flaws in that, yeah. that. You can't demonize a person for their own thoughts and you have the freedom to speak. And in his actual speech, he made mention for them not to go and be violent. Mm. So how did you then articulate that he had some intent to overthrow the election when Hillary and them did it in 2016? So those things are very very suspicious to me. Now, could he be wrong? Yeah. He may have done it. You're innocent until proven guilty. So when they go to the court of law, if they prove that Donald Trump has done these things because there's sufficient evidence, he's found guilty in the court of law, he's guilty. You got to do the time, my brother. But it's suspicious at, the, at face value because of some of those factors. It is. What did you think of the White
0: House denying security to RFK? Well, I, I think that, you, you're talking about the- um, Protection, like they, uh, they provide security to presidential candidates, right? But right, right. well, RFK requested oh. it and got denied.
1: Yeah, I don't know the nuance and the details to that, but I think it's suspicious. I'll tell you why. Listen to what RFK is saying. Mm-hmm. He's talking about the government being corrupt. Right. He's talking about the vaccines. He's talking about everything that I believe that the Democrat Party don't want him to say mm-hmm. because it makes them look incredibly evil and corrupt, and it makes Dr. Fauci and all these other people look corrupt. The American people saw it with their own eyes. Yeah. They shut down They shut down the church, but not the strip club. Hmm. They tell you to wear a mask, and they tell you not to. And it, it, it's just all of this in confusing, inconsistent stuff. They say... The, uh, uh, Joe Biden came out and said in front of the world, mm-hmm. if you get the Fauci ouchie, I call it the Fauci <laughs> ouchie, um, you will not get sick. Mm. You will not get the right Come to find out you get it and you die with it. Yeah. Even if you get the Fauci ouchie. So the inconsistencies within the government is what RFK is kind of pointing out and the assassination of his uncle, I believe, assassination of his family member. Yeah. Um, you know, by the CIA, by the government. Right. That is something that the current administration don't want to be out. And so I think that, and he's against vaccines too, yeah. all the way from the vaccine, all the way through, you know, some of the other vaccines that they administer even to adults and children. Yeah. And, and that's something that's, and you know, it's a big conspiracy about it. Big Pharma, it's trillions of dollars that they making off of this stuff. And so I, I think they probably want him to get you right. know, because he's a threat to the Democrat side. Yeah. So uh, that's just a theory of mine. Um, you know, with the government not being consistent, I'm, I'm leaning more towards them being fraudulent than them acting in good
0: faith. Wow, that's scary, because growing up you're taught like to always listen to the government, but now it seems like there's a movement in the opposing way. Uh, well, this is the thing. People should be taught to be free thinkers.
1: Mm-hmm. You should be taught to question everything. There's always two sides to everything. Right. And I learned this when I was a cop. It was plenty of times where I had a woman Knots on her head. And she comes out crying, he beat me, he beat me, he beat me. And in my mind, I'm like, when I catch this guy, it's gonna be on. Right. He better not resist arrest. See what he did to this woman? Come to find out, he's the victim. And she was the, you know, (laughs) I'll give you the scenario just real quick. Yeah. We went to the call, she comes out, she had a couple knots on her head and she called the police. She said, oh, he beat me, he beat me. And so we like, okay, we're gonna find this guy. So we find him down the street. Now he got scratches and lumps on his head. And he said, man, uh she went through my phone while i was asleep it's dark in the room i'm asleep she went through my phone but he said he found out later he went through a phone when when he was getting attacked he just started getting hit in his sleep and so he's closed closed eyes just punching in the air he think he's getting attacked by somebody yeah come to find out she attacked him because she looked through his phone and thought he was cheating or he was cheating i can't remember which one it was yeah and uh we go back to talk to her and she admitted to it she wow. goes, But he was cheating on me and i'm like ma'am you know you can't just Assault somebody because they cheated on you. <laughs> and, and, and the reason he was punching back is because it was dark and he thought he was getting, you know, ambushed. Yeah, self-defense. And so she ended up going to jail. Wow. So a couple cases like that led me to believe that I need to look at both sides of the spectrum. Right. So if the government says something, if 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 any authority says something, you need to verify it. Yeah. Even if it's the people you like, even if it's Trump. I like Trump. Yeah. If Trump says something, I'm like, uh, mm, that sounds too juicy. Right. Okay, where's the facts? Let me figure out what's true and what's not true, and mm. then I'll go with that theology. Never, ever, ever trust the government specifically um, at face value. Mm. And I would argue don't trust most people at face value.
0: Try to figure out what the truth yeah. is, and then you go off of that. I love that, man, because too many people hear one side, and then it's just belief from there, and they don't take the other side at all.
1: It's lazy. It's, yeah. it's intellectual laziness. Yeah. It's like, uh, I like this person. So I believe him.
0: <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. Anything that I say, I mean, people probably like
1: me. But it doesn't matter if you like me or not. Verify what I'm saying. My pastor used to say this all the time. He used to read from the Bible. He go, huh? don't, don't listen to me. Read the Bible for yourself. Right. When you go home, read the Bible for yourself to make sure that, that I'm telling you the truth. Mm. And so that's how I look at it in every aspect of life is that don't be intellectually lazy. Mm-hmm. Um, if you do, just understand you're probably uninformed. Yeah. If you are going to be an intelligent individual, you have to make sure you're informed. And I say in- information is not just confirmation bias, mm-hmm. meaning that. I'm looking for the information to validate what i what I believe. No, look at this side and look at the opposing side. Yeah, I have to say my biggest uh, growth in my faith was that I listened to the opposing side of Christianity mm. all the time. I listened to to, to uh, Muslims apologists talk about why Christianity is wrong. I wow. listen to Jewish people talk about why Christianity is wrong. I, I like to hear the opposing side so I can verify if what I believe is right, or am I completely wrong? Yeah. And, and when you do stuff like that, if you're right, right, you're, you're going down the right path, this this ends up being confirmation that you're right. Wow. But you would never know how right you really are if you never knew what the, the opposing side. argument is. Yeah,
0: because a lot of people that are religious will not hear other religions.
1: Yeah, because they're afraid. Right. Right? You, you spend your whole life believing in Buddha or sp- your whole life believing in Jesus. Mm-hmm. And then if you get exposed to something that you, you weren't uh, prepared for and you've already built your whole personality on you being this thing, right. you would completely crumble and fall apart.
0: Yeah, that would destroy someone. They spent their whole life, and then it turns out they don't really believe in it. Right, and, and and
1: true belief is is wanting to know the truth, not wanting to know what you want to believe. Mm. And I think as a as a Christian and, and other, you know, I think most major religions probably believe the same thing: is that you you are called to verify what you believe. You are called to verify. Try the spirit by the spirit is what the Bible say. Precept upon precept, line upon line is what the Bible say about studying to show yourself to be approved so you don't get yourself out there and end up falling away from the faith Mm -hmm. because you hear a person that's more informed than you about another religion. So you need to be studied up on what you actually
0: believe. Therefore, you can have confidence in what you believe. And Brandon, that was a great episode. Where can people find you? And do you want to close off with anything? Oh, yeah. No, no. I mean, people can find me at The Officer Tatum
1: uh, on all of my social media platforms. If, if somebody on the show likes this shirt, you can get it at Tatum
0: Store. At TatumStore.com. All right. Thanks for coming on, man. Thank you, brother. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for watching, guys. And I'll see you next time.